Well, hey, uh, so we left off in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 26 through the end of the chapter. And um, I'll go ahead and read um, 26 through 32, which is the first section here. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made by another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So uh, as we know, this is, Paul's been kind of going on a little bit about the way the Corinthians, when they gather, they're a little haphazard. They're a little disorderly. There's people speaking in tongues. There's no interpretation. A lot of people are trying to prophesy uh, and, and then interpret things. And so Paul is trying to lay things out in, a, in an orderly way. And um, I wanted to kind of start this by reviewing something that um, some of you may have heard of and some of you may never have heard of, but it's something that the reformers came up with. And uh, it was called the regulative principle of worship. Um, sometimes you might think of this as traditional. That church was really traditional in the way that their service was. And maybe it wasn't very entertaining, I don't know. But um, the regulative principle of worship is put simply, the regulative principle of worship states that the corporate worship of God is to be founded upon specific directions found in scripture. So if scripture says you can do this when you worship God, then you should do it. And if it's silent, then you don't do that. So. Um, there's some good examples from Scripture. Most of them are Old Testament examples, but we do have some New Testament examples. Uh, Exodus 25:40, God commanded the children of Israel to build a, pattern, uh, a tabernacle, and he gave them the pattern. He gave them the exact instructions. Build the tabernacle exactly the way I've shown you to do it. Uh, Genesis 4 through 8, uh, God rejected Cain's offering over Abel's. He found one pleasing over the other. Uh, and, and that might have been more to do with uh, Cain's heart. Um, but in essence, he still he accepted one form of worship over another form. Uh, Exodus 20, uh, verses 2 through 6 are the first and second commandments. God tells us who you will worship, God and God alone. And you shall not worship him using images. So God was very specific to the children of Israel. Don't use an image. And what do they do? They make a golden calf in Exodus 32. So, and, and what that tells us is that worship cannot be done according to our values or our tastes. We do what God wants. Um, Leviticus 10 uh, was uh, Nadab and Ebihu's offering of strange fire. God rejected it. Uh, in um, 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 24, God rejected Saul's non-prescribed sacrifice where the people took spoil of sheep and oxen that were devoted to instruction, and he, they sacrificed those to God. And God punished uh, Saul over that because Saul decided to do something that God didn't want him to do. Uh, and then finally, in Matthew uh, 15, 1 through 14, Jesus rejected the traditions of the elders and the Pharisees. He didn't reject following the law. He rejected these traditions. Like, and in that passage, he talks about why do you, you know, you wash the outside of the cup. 
but inside. You don't wash the inside. He's talking about their hearts. And, but that washing of the outside of the cup was a tradition. It wasn't the law. It was something that the Pharisees added to it. And so over about 1,500, the course of about 1,500 years of Christian church history, the Catholic Church began to add traditions to the way that they worshipped. And does anybody know what three, um, what three things the Catholic Church found to be authoritative? Oh. Tradition. Tradition. The Bible. Yeah. And. You said the Pope. Well, no, I know where you're going with that, but I don't think it's the Pope. Um, it would be the councils. So the council, Nicaea, the council, the, the different councils that happened, those were considered authoritative uh, for, for the Roman Catholic Church. And in the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther and the Reformers rejected that, and they said, no, it's sola scriptura. So what they did, you know, when, when Martin Luther reformed the Mass, one of the things he did is he took all the traditions out, and he said, we're going to do the Mass, but it's going to be according to Scripture. Uh, he took out, um, well, the big one was transubstantiation. Uh, the, the, the blessing of the elements in communion. Um, and, and there's other things. Um, he allowed people to sing. Before that, people didn't participate. Gave mass in, in, in German, I think. I might be wrong on that. Um, but the reformers saw a need to go back to scripture and take from it what should be done for church order. Uh, so I got a quote here from John Calvin. God disapproves of all modes of worship not expressly sanctioned by his word. Uh, the London Baptist Confession of Faith says the acceptable way of worshiping the true God is instituted by himself and so limited by his own revealed will that he may not be worshiped according to the imagination and devices of men, nor the suggestions of Satan under any visible representations or any way not prescribed in holy scriptures. Uh, and then so, what examples do we see in the New Testament of worship? We don't really have like a setup. Um, we don't really know exactly what an, a first, early first century Christian church meeting looked like, but we have, we have these commands, right? So uh, 1 Timothy 4.13 talks about reading the Bible. For 2 Timothy 4.2 says to preach the Bible. Um, in Colossians 3.16, Paul exhorts us to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms. Uh, songs, sorry. Um, uh, Matthew twenty one thirteen is prayer. Uh, Jesus said that my Father's house shall be a house of prayer. Um, he's referring to the temple there, but we know that there's prayer in church. Uh, two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. There's only two. The Catholic Church actually had seven. Um, only men can teach. That's First Timothy two, twelve through fourteen, uh, and Paul appeals to the creation order where man was made first, then Eve. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, so our passage today, tells us who can speak and, and, and when to teach um, and, and in what order. Now contrasting this is something called the normative principle of worship, um, which is whatever's not prohibited. So this view says, and, and Protestants do this too, so it's on both sides here. 
Um, but whatever is not prohibited in scripture is permitted in worship, as long as it is agreeable to the peace and unity of the church. In short, there must be agreement with the general practice of the church and no prohibition in scripture for whatever is done in worship. Uh, so an example of that, you, giving announcements in the middle of your church service could be considered something that would be acceptable under the normative principle of worship. Um, skits, interpretive dance, um, you've probably, I've been to some churches that have done that. Um, now, people on the regulative principle side, they might go so far as to prohibit uh, musical instruments. John Calvin did, he prohibited all musical instruments because there was no example in the New Testament of a church service using musical instruments. But um, a lot of reformers since then brought, have brought uh, musical instruments in. So. Um, they all they would also say that you should only sing the psalms and it depends on how they interpret Colossians 3:16 does it say psalms psalms and psalms or does it say psalms hymns and spiritual songs and that would bring in and allow us to sing a mighty fortress is our god or the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning so after having gone through that what do you think we do at our church do we hold normative normative you okay why well we're doing things that are more than what scripture says to do. Like what? Announcements, you just said one. Yeah, okay, so announcements. I mean, whether I agree with what, that being part of the worship service or not, it's <laughs> different, but when I was typing my, to use your language. When I was typing my notes, and we went, Sarah and I went to a Reformed church, we went to a Presbyterian church, I think my first Sunday there, when there was an announcement, it was about the church softball team, and I was like, cool, I'm going to sign up, so it was during the service, so anyone else? Apart from announcements, do you think that we follow? We sing, we sing songs and we have music, but I would say how, how would those that hold the regulatory and say we're going to do the psalms when a lot of the psalms say to be accompanied by this musical instrument? Okay, yeah. It seems contradictory. I don't think, I, I don't find, it's, it's called exclusive psalmody. That's the, the argument, that's the position. And you can buy psalms in meter so that you can play music with it um, or at least know how to sing the psalms without an accompaniment, I guess. Uh, but I don't, not everybody who holds to the regulative principle of worship would hold to exclusive psalmody without instruments. So that's my daughter's favorite song is Psalm 16 by Shane and Shane. <laughs> and that's a song we sing and I like it. Anything else, or does it sound pretty? We have children's ministries. You don't see that in scripture. Okay, the children leaving the church and going to it. Yeah, you don't. What else? We do have teaching. We have prayer. We have the reading of scripture. We don't have prophecy. I wonder, you know, a lot of the people that hold to the RPW are cessationists. They believe that the gifts have, gifts have ceased. So I, I want to go back and say, so uh, when do people stand up and speak in tongues in your church? You know, as I was thinking about last week what we talked about in prophecy. We talked about the different things. And um, I remember when I was an unbeliever in a church, when I got saved at Calvary Community in Phoenix many years ago, they were teaching the Word of God but to me, it was prophecy because I'd never heard it before. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wonder if I've been thinking about that through 
is, is that what they, that's another possible interpretation that prophecy is foretelling, like we talk about the word of God. Mm -hmm. For people that heard it, it's not necessarily prophecy, it's, you know, and, and edifying what you what you know, but for others, they're hearing it for the first time. You're an unbeliever and you're hearing <clears throat> prophecy. Yeah. And in, and in this case, you have apostles who were taught by Christ. That makes them different than prophets. Apostles a different office than a prophet. But because they're telling things that Christ said for the first time, it's a prophecy in a sense. Like um, it's worth telling of what thus saith the Lord. When I was with the Lord, Jesus, Paul says when we take communion, we're mostly quoting what Paul said. He goes, I'm telling you what I received from the Lord that in the day he was crucified. He took bread. That's like thus saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. In other cases, not I, but the Lord says, you know, you can marry you or whatever. Jason? Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I I was thinking about the interpretation thing, you know, and I, I know there's been times where I've tried, we've been talking about scripture and I'm trying to explain something and, and it's just people aren't getting what I'm saying. Like Josh or somebody over Rick or somebody like, what Jason means he's trying to say is that everyone's like, oh, okay, that's what he did. And I'm just wondering if maybe, <laughs> you know, that, I, I, there's times where I, yeah. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you exercising your gift yeah. of prophecy, Jason? It is, <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> This is Rick interpreting. That's been coming up a lot, like in, in a lot of the like morning Bible study on Tuesdays and things like okay. that. The theme since we we dug in is just it's been popping up quite often. And uh, men's, you know, the two men's Bible studies. Been, right. It's funny how that God runs a theme sometimes in life or groups. <laughs> Were you thinking about things a lot, like yeah. maybe when you're thinking about buying a car and then suddenly you see that car everywhere. <laughs> That's good. <clears throat> it's never happened to me before. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, in Grady, a year or so ago, I'd, I'd have to look because I probably posted it online, but Grady preached a sermon once about how preaching could be considered prophecy. Because you're taking a text, you're expounding upon it, you're teaching others, and then, as you said, Rick, you came in for the first time, you heard the word preached, that was prophecy to you. And, it convict, and that's exactly what Paul says it's going to do. It's going to convict the unbeliever, and uh, the secrets of the hearts are, uh, heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really a believer. Definitely can happen. I don't know. I know there's a lot of churches that I've been to in the past that don't have Bible studies. You know, they just don't have. It's not part of their normal, you know, tradition that they're doing on a weekly basis. You know, and I know that Jesus, you know, commends the Bereans, if they, you know, and I'm just, it's one of those things where I've, I've been blessing here, you know, and, and to, mm -hmm. to have Bible study. Right. People that take the word that they hear and then check it against scripture, which is not the tradition I was raised in. The tradition I was raised in, and the, that's my mom over there, by the way. Uh, the tradition that we were raised in, mom, was... Pray about it and see if the Lord gives you a confirmation. Close your eyes, open your Bible, <laughs> and see what verse comes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's valid too. I mean, that's that's a valid approach as well. I mean, to pray, to pray about it, about it and yeah, just sure. wait and wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that one shouldn't um, pray. And seek the Lord, and seek seek the Lord's guidance on on a passage of Scripture. I know where, Have the Lord. I know where you're coming from with that statement, though. Yeah, I mean, read the Book of Mormon and pray to see if it's true. Don't use <laughs> don't use logic. So, right. If if I talk to a if I talk to a Mormon and I say there's no DNA evidence, there's no archaeological evidence, 
there's no evidence of a, a language called Reformed Egyptian. Um, and there, furthermore, there's evidence of uh, copying large parts of the Bible. Most of the sermons in the Book of Mormon are Great Awakening era sermons. I mean, I can go on and on and show you how the Book of Mormon was put together. And the default is you need to pray about it. I received a confirmation, right? So God gave it, we went over this before, like when Paul says, I pray with my mind, you know, God gave us a mind to use. And, um, and I think that that's important. Um, to, he says that right here in, the, in this chapter. Yeah. I'll worship with my mind and right. with my spirit. Yeah. Worship with my mind. So God, God's given us both of those things to, to use, to determine and to listen to. So, so this is good because, here, let me read on. Um, how far down did I read? I read to uh, 32. So, so let me go just go back uh, to 29. Let two or, more, two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. You can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged. So a couple things there. They were probably all going out of order. But secondly, if you have the gift of something, God gives you, you know, you have license to use it at a certain time. You don't have to be spontaneous about it. Like there's an order that things can go in. And that's, I think, what Paul is trying to do here. But the second thing is let others weigh it. They didn't have the New Testament in, in, in that time. So they couldn't just open up their Bibles and say, well, let's see when, you know, Jesus, you know, they couldn't do that. They could use the Old Testament and hopefully somebody had some copies of the scrolls there, but um, there still was that sense, that, um, that spirit like of the Bereans to check against scripture to see that what is being said is true, which is what the Bereans did. They checked scripture to see what Paul was saying was true. Um, well, we're commanded to be watchful, not to be led astray. <clears throat> and so, I mean, we have to make sure that, you know, and, and part of the body is a part of, you know, we're, we're doing that. Right, yeah. So, um, and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. What do you think that means? The spirits of prophets are subject. It means you have control of when you prophesy. If you're a prophet, you have control of, of when you do it. Okay. And what's the other part to that? Subject to prophets. Oh, okay, I see what you said. I was going a different way. <coughs> like, if you prophesy, then maybe... And Jason's got the gift of prophecy. Maybe Jason could interpret or test that prophecy. And as you said, we, we probably do that as we're reading and we're discussing our scriptures together. It's funny because we see things like the Watchtower, you know, where they, they've said the end of the world's coming so many times. And they've, you know, they, they turn back to scripture. They use quote unquote scripture, you know, where... They calls out if a, if a prophet is, you know, giving false prophecy. Yeah. You know, and it's just. What's the watchtower for everybody? Basically. So that would be your. Uh, um, uh, sorry, sorry. Your uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. The Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. Yeah. It's just that they've given the end of the world so many times. I think what is it? times or something that where they've made an announcement that yeah people have sold all they've had and narrowing it down right <laughs> uh, the last time they did it was 1975 they did it a lot leading up to then but the last time was 1975 they they gave up <laughs> and some of that comes from you know that's 
That's a rabbit trail. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we could spend a lot of time. I, I was actually kind of thinking, and I don't know, would, would any of you, you know, uh, in future um, adult Sunday schools be interested in studying the cults, having those discussions and what they believe and, and how scripture doesn't support their beliefs? It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a book, uh, Kingdom of the Cult. Yes, that's Dr. Walter Martin. Yeah, that's, that's mm. a good book. It's a classic. That is interesting. Okay. Uh, just, it's just an idea I've been kicking around. So, those of you who know me aren't surprised. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of it's kind of good because um, before um, before I read that, I like Mormons. I just it never occurred to me that they were different than. Mm -hmm. you know, but having you know, so it's good to know. Yeah. You know, and I would just say a very, a very easy thing is, is what do they say about Jesus? Is the Jesus they're telling you about the Jesus that is presented in the Bible? And again, we go back to Scripture to see, you know, and uh, for the Jehovah's Witnesses, real quickly, Jesus was created. Jesus was God the Father's first creation. Um, that's a heresy called Arianism. Arianism was... Mormonism, uh, uh, too. Yeah, sort of, kind of. He's a created being. He's sort of, kind of. It, it gets deeper. because Well, here. Mormons believe that matter has always existed. And that God did not create matter ex nihilo, out of nothing. That God organized matter. So, in a sense, we're all eternal. And so, in a sense, they would say Jesus was eternal until the Father made him Jesus. So it gets complicated. Um, and the, the, the further you go down that rabbit hole, the more confused you get. <laughs> and I've been down it. Um, all right, let's read. Uh, I got one more yeah, go ahead. to make on that section. Do you think, um, back to the, whether we're normative or regulatory, or, um, it seems here like there's supposed to be multiple prophets speaking. Mm -hmm. And in most mo modern American churches, there's one guy Who's got the plot who's got the podium for the whole mm -hmm. service that I that is something I don't see in scripture at all um, one person teaching one person and what you know everybody sitting there being quiet while that person's talking and what well, the word is dialogue again and he's in for 12 hours um, it, it sounds like they're having a conversation but anywho it's just it's just something that uh, to me is is made you know, it's to try to keep order. <laughs> well, Paul preached once for six not, hours. <laughs> well, it says the word preach is di like dialogue. And so I think he's having a, a dialogue okay. with people where they're interacting and he's, they're engaging him and he's teaching and they're asking questions. I see. Um, and when he's not there, there's somebody else there. That, <clears throat> so they are still dialoguing there. I mean, obviously, some, not everybody is as qualified to teach as, as he was. Right. So they had to be just talking among themselves most a lot of the time. And, and teaching doesn't mean I have the floor and nobody else can talk. It means, let me, you know, anybody have any issues with this? Let me walk you through it. What's your issue with the, with this problem versus you're just going to listen? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think it's more like something like we're doing here. Well, I, 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 might, I might be able to address that a little bit later on in, in my notes here when we get to, to this next section here because... Um, one of the one of the uh, articles in my study on this brought up a diff, a, an interesting viewpoint on that, um, but 
I would say churches that seek to conform to the regulative principle of worship tend to be cessationist. So they would not have a time for prophets, or they would not, they would not probably even recognize that as prophecy. I don't know. Um, there's, there's churches up in the valley that do it. It'd be interesting to see. I've, I've looked at their order of service before. And I mean, the, 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 the cool thing about it is that you've just got things that can be done, but it doesn't have to all follow the exact same order. As long as you have an order, but it doesn't have to be specific. They don't, they don't all look exactly the same. It's like a car has, you know, a body, four seats and four wheels, you know, or maybe two seats and four wheels, but it's still, a car, right? So regulative principle of worship, there, it can take different forms, but you're just only doing what's prescribed in scripture. So, um, all right. Ray, will you read for us? Uh, verses 33 through 40. Well, I just wanted to go to the end of the chapter. Huh? Yeah. If somebody else wants to read, that's fine. You can say no. You, don't you can say no. My wife says no all the time. Jason, you want to read? 35 on? Yeah, I'll do it. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home. For is For it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Was it you that the word of God first went forth? Or has it come to you only? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak in tongues, but all things must be done properly and in orderly manner. Thank you. Okay, so should women be... 100% silent in church? Jason. <laughs> I listened, okay, I prepared, I listened to Grady's teaching on chapter 11, of both of them, so what was to conclude, what did you all talk about? Do you all remember that? That was like a month, over a month ago, and I listened over the last, well, I listened yesterday, so over the last two days. So in chapter 11, women can pray and prophesy publicly, right? So there's, that's not prohibited. Women are praying. So what, well, women pray and women prophesy, and Paul allows it, right? So what, if that's the case and God's word doesn't contradict itself, then what can a woman not do? Teach. 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 Be authoritative in <clears throat> situations where it's not right. proper to do so. Be manly and approved. So in this sense, a woman can prophesy, but can the woman weigh the prophecy of another? It, it would seem that they can't. And it says that they should talk to their husband at home about that, Rick. What do you do with verse, if that's all it's gonna be, what do you do with verse 35, which seems to be just an innocent, I'm not authoritative, in fact, I'm asking a question. Okay. Um, 
So I was going to get to that. You can go a hundred different ways. I mean, the commentaries that you can read um, on this passage can go a lot of different directions. To some, just denying that what Paul is saying is what he said. But um, so then we can't do that. One thing that I read culturally was that that was just not something that was expected in Roman society. Women did not always speak publicly. They would. They were encouraged to speak about that at home with their husbands. This isn't not just necessarily a command of Paul. It was also something cultural that Paul was saying. That's why well, he says it, for and it's, and it still is over there. That is still the custom in, in that area of the world. But he said it. Mm -hmm. Well, in Rome, yeah. he starts out as in all the churches of the right. saints. Yeah. Whereas other places, when we talked about the head coverings, he says, mm -hmm. "But we have no such custom. Neither do the churches of God." Which means, okay, that could be considered if you want to go the route it's it's a cultural thing but here all the churches yeah all yeah. cultures so i think most of what i've seen seems to say that women can pray women can prophesy women cannot teach authoritatively um and if the teaching and preaching as you say rick was more of a dialogue then that would prohibit the women from contributing to that dialogue maybe if they're going if if um, they have a question, they would ask their husband at home rather than participate in that back and forth. I actually went to a church that did that once. It was met in a home. It was weird. So, <laughs> it was years and years ago. Um, and um, it was my old boss at a pizza place. But the guy got done teaching, and then he said, no, any of the men have questions. <laughs> and uh, I, that was a long time ago. So, I mean, it was surprising to me then. And I've I was experienced like, that too. And what I've also experienced is that the woman just wears the pants from the background, like, hey, ask her, ask her. <laughs> and and it's, it's fascinating. So, that, that would prohibit women pastors and priests? Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, it's outright prohibited in 1 Timothy 2. Um, Why does one should fall into that like, music thing? Uh, Colossians three sixteen, like as far as singing, like a woman leading. I mean, uh, well, women can sing, women can pray, women can, okay. I, you know, but they can be choral directors too. They mean, shouldn't they, be. They shouldn't be. No, they shouldn't have a, a position of authority. If there's going to be them. men under them, yeah, correct. If they're submitting to a woman, I think you're violating the things. You know, I'm gonna. I mean, yeah. I'm going to be rebuked for not showing up for practice, <laughs> or I'm going to be told what, you know. And furthermore, it's also cloaked praying. Sometimes teaching is cloaked in prayer, which I think people, women, have to be aware of. Like, you're not really praying; you're trying to teach me what the scripture says yeah. through a prayer. Well, yeah. I mean, there's the sermon prayers, aren't there? Where you like you're listening to a prayer, and it's more of somebody preaching a sermon. And I, I think that that probably goes a little um, bit beyond. And there's also gossip prayer. <laughs> and the head of the head of head of the uh, children's ministry is often a woman. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and um, of course, it's not. And well, we have male children, but that's different. But um, they are still in authority over these children. Children are exhorted to um, obey their elders, the adults, in general. Uh, women can teach children. That's I think that's that's in scripture. Still, they are in position of authority. So the church. I think that maybe the distinction that at least might be made by the elders here at this church is that you know the the, the head of our children's ministry 
is the head of our children's ministry under the authority of the elders. But once again, this this seems to be limiting the authority to teaching with authority during church. But if you're, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll yeah, and I mean, we can talk offline <laughs> about that. Um, so, but hang on, so you so, not yeah. think that the, the mandate is, um, you've already said it once, that it's a creation mandate, and therefore women should, you can make the case that women shouldn't be over man in any capacity, including kings, including but we have it we have examples of that in the old testament as what women leading we have what deborah i think we have you have exceptions to that that was done to shame the men and a lot of those except a lot of those were done specifically to shame the men that weren't doing it i mean god made that but i mean because it's listed is to say solomon sacrificed the 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 livestock that were stolen from the war Mm -hmm. so we have an instance of that. There's times where good. God permitted. I, I wasn't going to bring this up. There's a, um, but I will because why not? Because it's an exception, and it's an exception that I don't think a lot of people would really argue with. Maybe they would, but um, I read an article about a woman who uh, is from Iran, and she was she was a Muslim, and her husband was a Muslim, and he beat her and he abused her, and she got out and she fled to Sweden. And she became a Christian um, because people were preaching the gospel to her. And she got to Sweden and she found that the church in Sweden, you know, the national church there, did not have an outreach to Muslims and uh, especially to Iranian refugees. And she wanted to share the gospel with Iranians and no men stepped up to do it. So she went to seminary and she got ordained and she's a, she's a pastor in the church of Sweden. Is it wrong? Yes, it's wrong. But nobody else is stepping up to do what she's doing. And people are coming to Christ. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Sometimes there's there's these exceptions. I don't Sounds know what like to Hagar do. And Sarai. God's not stepping up to give us the baby. So we're going to do it ourselves. Or he put her in that position to do that. As, as Jason said, to shame the men, maybe. You know, there's a judgment. Yeah. Um, but... And, and maybe some men are leading that effort now because I think it's a, it's no, it seems to be because of her maybe yeah because yeah. of her there, there will be it's been a while since I've read it and I've not gone back to read it which is why I was hesitant <laughs> to bring it to bring it up or to, to follow up on that but I'm trying really hard not to be irritated with this chapter <laughs> and that's good because I mean I don't think we if if the men's heart is to be like we have to have authority and we're going to lord over women then. That's and I, I don't think that's what it, and I don't think that's what it means. Yeah. But but I, I do think that that's how many people read it. Right. And that's that's and it's really hard to get this point. It's hard to get the point across in here. It's even harder to get the point across to people who are not believers. You know. Yeah. So. Um, last week Catherine did the scripture reading. Um, would that be allowable? If you want to take the regulatory thing. No, I mean, it's better, you know, do you want to stay, do you want to, you, know, you want to creep up to test how far we can go? So do you I, want to stay behind the line? So I read a commentary on ninemarks.com, and this was written by an RPW cessationist, and his conclusion, because he concluded that the gift of prophecy has ceased, right, that the reading of scripture is the same as prophecy, and since, because you're re- reading God's revealed word. So it's perfectly, his conclusion was it's perfectly fine for a woman to read scripture out loud in church because she's reading God's revealed word. 
Paul allows for a woman to prophesy out loud in church. So in that sense, you are following the RPW. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But so follow the RPW, where do they get the authority to say that the, the gifts have ceased? That's, that's a different, yeah, that's I mean, biblical. well, and I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm more of a continuationist. I'm not convinced, I'm not a continuationist in that, in the way I used to be. I'm more of, I'm not convinced of cessationism. I'm not convinced that the gifts that God has given, the miraculous gifts have ceased. I'm not convinced of that at all. And I haven't read a scriptural argument that supports it. But I, my conclusion here is that women can prophesy, they cannot publicly interpret or weigh it. I think they can pray, um, but they can't teach. But they can speak up when nobody else will. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I mean. And I would say a lot of those things too, like Green was saying in the sermon that he gave, pants were a, was something that women wouldn't do. Right. And it was, you know, at the time, you know, 50, 60, 80 years ago, that was probably, you know, 100 years ago, it was probably wrong. It would have been a statement that a woman would have made to wear pants. Mm -hmm. Now it's culturally acceptable. So it's not, you know what I mean? There's some things I think we can look at and be, yes, this is, you know, absolutely wrong. And there's some that are, have, we have as a society where, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was the discussion, I think, on head coverings in, yes, in and, the and, um, chapter 11 class. Yeah. yeah, and uh, how men, you know. I'm in, just talking about you, they, operating in church. How right. Men, you know. I think the example that was brought up was that there was this uh, Hollywood celebrity male who showed up to some award show wearing a wedding dress. <laughs> and, um, but the contrast was in Scotland, men wear skirts. <laughs> In certain tribes in Africa, men wear something that looks like a skirt, and so that's not culturally unacceptable for them. But here, it would be jarring, right, to to see something like that. I'm sorry, I don't mean to get off. No, that's fine. That's fine. You know. Um, wow, we're moving fast. Okay, so uh, this last section here, I, I think Paul's just kind of wrapping up the section here, and he's. Uh, giving some conclusions. He, he says something strange. What, what do you all think of this verse? Or was it from you that the word of God came? Are you the only ones it has reached? Verse 9? Verse 36. I think a lot of these things are, are subtle rebukes to the way they've been operating. And okay. Even this statement, you know, he's, he's letting them know that, hey, it's you're, you're not the, the only ones, you know, he's kind of trying to checking them into their place, you know, through scripture, you know, you know, I, I think some of these things that are being said are, are rebukes, you know, okay. through, you know. I think 37 clarifies verse 36. Okay. Saying, Look, I'm Paul. I, I have, if you think you have like a word from the Lord about how you're supposed to do your church meetings, so do I. <laughs> right. And I'm telling you, I heard it from I think he's. I think you're right. I think he's also mm -hmm. addressing some issues that are going on in the church at that mm -hmm. time. Yeah, I think there's there's a use of sarcasm here, but then he says, if anyone thinks that he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge the things I am writing to you as a command of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Authoritative, yeah. So if any one of you in here really is spiritual or a prophet, y'all, <laughs> thus saith the Lord. Yeah, thus saith the Lord. Right. Uh, if in 38, if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Right, this is this is Paul laying down his apostolic authority. Absolutely. 
Um, and we already know nobody living on Earth has apostolic authority anymore. That that ended a long time ago. Um, so the conclusion, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. I think last week we said, you know, should we desire the gift to prophesy? Paul says to do it. For, for the church, right. not necessarily yeah. for us. Yeah. And, I mean, to me, that verse is so strong for anybody that says cessationists, they're taking what they see and they're taking their own ideas and saying these things have stopped. When scripture clearly says, do not forbid these things. And nowhere can I see that there will be a time where it will stop or we should we should do it. Now, I, I'm not going to say everything I see is legitimate, those things. But I, I don't, to me, to take like the high road and say, well, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do it. It's yeah. to go against scripture right there. Yeah, you know, much of the criticism I see of people exercising the miraculous gifts, let's say, is... Criticism of people doing it wrong. Yeah. This passage, as a charismatic, used to bug me. When my Presbyterian friends would show it to me, I hated it. Because I knew the church I was going to didn't follow this. It was chaos. Absolute, utter pandemonium. I, I invited a friend. Once. So what'd you think? And he was charismatic. So what'd you think? Like that, you know? And he goes, it's a barnyard. <laughs> what he called it. Um, mom's been to that church. My mom is. <laughs> oh, I tell you. <laughs> wow. Is it like, are you talking like stepping over people in the aisles? Oh, yeah. Like through, flailing Locking around. Yeah, and then yeah. doing cartwheels. And oh, wow. Parking. Oh, like, wow. It was. There's this one video channel I watch on YouTube that's very charismatic. And they're doing those things running around and yeah. circles and screaming. Well, but there's the music that they're playing. I just love it. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I listen for the music. Um, yeah. So I, you know, that used to convict me a lot because I, because my friends would say, there has to be order, Brian, and your church has no order. Look at what yeah. this passage says. It's a good rebuke. It used to bug, bug me a lot. Um, and then people are going, you know, that's not. And, and what I think this gets back to a lot of times, you know, kind of circling back a little bit to church order, to maybe a complaint that this church over here is too traditional, maybe because they follow some, you know, the regulative principle of worship. Maybe they don't, maybe they kind of do. Worship, is worship about you or is it about God? God. Yeah. You will, as a byproduct, you will be edified. You will experience something great, right? But worship is about God. And so our efforts and our energy should be to worship Him and not be entertained and not do things for ourselves. Um, which that might have been what was going on here. I know that in the discussion on communion from chapter 11, you know, the Grady brings brought up that it was the, the you know the rich in the middle class they got to show up early, whereas the the, the the worker and the slave class had to work until their their master told them that it was time for them to go. And by then, by the time they got there, the food was all eaten. And he was like, hey, you know, so it's not about you; it's about others, which is what. 
um, uh, Grady also said that a good sign that somebody is a believer is that they think more of others than they do of themselves. So as we worship God, we think more about using our time and our energy to worship him the way he wants to be worshiped rather than being entertained. So that's all I have. And I have a half hour to fix the audio issue. Rick, will you close us? Will you summarize? And then I'll close us. Sure. Um, church should be done in order. Um, and I think we've got several biblical New Testament examples of what should be done, what can be done during church. Um, it should be done orderly, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, the Bible tells us, you know, Paul tells us to do that. Um, I think it's, it's okay for women to read scripture and to pray out loud during church. I think that those things are, are um, allowed. If, if we think of, of reading scripture as prophecy, I think that's fine. Um, and uh, I think that we should, um, we should seek to prophesy. We, sh we should seek to know what the Lord is telling us and to understand it and to interpret it. Cool, thank you. All right. Thanks, Ray. Uh, Father, we thank you for gathering us here together as you do each week um, to learn from, your, from you and from your scripture, from your, your spirit, Lord. We thank you most of all for Christ and calling us into your family, the assembly of your firstborn, Lord. We uh, thank you for the forgiveness of sins um, and, and for the eternal life and the abundant life that we have. Christ, Lord, I, um, as those kinds of people, Lord, I pray that we're diligent to submit to you as our head, that we're careful to seek out what you have to say and not to go on our own understanding. Lord, I pray for um, just uh, wisdom and caution in the things we do, that we're, knowing we're going to give an account to you, Lord, for what we know we're responsible for. So for our conscience sake, Lord, I pray that you... Um, help us be men and women of conviction that if we think something is wrong that we don't do it, that we stay far from it that we call it wrong and in groups we're not ashamed of, of what you say despite what society says so Lord I pray for just extra portion of courage uh, for that for all of us and, and Father I pray for your church um, and all the things you have for it to be manifest uh, at Maricopa Springs that um, you be a city set on a hill uh, on a light that we would not be hindered by anything that we're doing wrong and, and you're withholding <coughs> your grace or pro, um, prohibited by doing things that are fruitless um, and a waste, Lord, because um, the days are evil and the time is short, Lord, so I say, pray we make the most of them. We redeem the time that we forsake all things that are against your kingdom and that our lives are laid down for your sake. Amen. Amen. Amen.